Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Today, I'd like to talk to you about living in the tension. You know, we talked a lot. There's a lot of tension happening, economic tension. Um, I want to recap a little bit, though, from the last couple of weeks. So last time I shared, uh, we talked about offenses, how they can... Um, how it can really impact our lives, and um, but then how we should take those rather than offenses, but turn them into stepping stones. That's right. You know, remember offensive being ignored, offensive being you know by the institution. They're all with letter I. So ignored institution, offensive insignificance, and offensive insult. And um, and we talked about offenses are like lenses. Michael Bizzle came out, and we had different shades on, and you know, he was looking at me in one color, I was looking at him in a different color, and then we swapped glasses, you know. So, offenses are like lenses. In other words, also, offenses are like fences. You know, the moment you get on the fence with somebody, poof, offenses go up. You know, our fences go up. So, Pastor Mark brilliantly uh, connected them, you know, to the storms of life and how they are unexpected. And he talked a little bit about turbulence, right? You're flying the smooth flight and then just boom, out of nowhere, your plane just starts shaking. So each person has a storm in their life, right? And uh, from the side, you know, we're looking at anybody that's dealing with something. We can brush it off and be like, ah, it's not a big deal. Come on, man. Get over it. That's nothing. And then I thought about it, you know, the storms in life, how they are unexpected. And um, (laughs) it's like the best explanation I can give is Somebody walking into a spider web, you know, from distance, you just, you think the guy just went nuts out of nowhere. You're just like, ah! <laughs> but you're not in that position, right? So you can't feel all those webs on your face or anything like that. So, um, yeah, each person has an offense, you know, or offense. It could be, but different situations that they face in life, different tensions. Um, and some storms are big, some storms are small. Sometimes, you know, you get just like an actual storm. Sometimes it comes out and the sun comes out like in two minutes after the storm, um, real quick. It's Alaskan weather for you. Thank you, Pastor. And uh, how many know that Alaskan weather has a mind of its own? Yeah. I don't know how meteorologists in Alaska get paid. Jackie Purcell, you know, she says one thing, and then next thing you know, <laughs> it's like sunny. It's supposed to be raining all day. It's supposed to be sunny this morning, and then it's not as uh, sunny, but... Anyway, so that's, you know, storms for you or different weather patterns. So today I want to talk to you about living in the tension um, of grace and truth and how we respond to it. So let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you that you are more than enough for us, Father. And we thank you that we are more than conquerors in you. Hallelujah. Help us not to just to be listeners of the word, but apply it to our everyday life. God, we need it. Thank you, Jesus. Speak to us today. We're listening. Amen. Let's jump right into the scripture. John chapter 8, uh, 1 through 11. And I'm going to follow up by a second passage from John chapter 1. But let's start with John chapter 8, 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the mountain of olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery 
in the very act. <laughs> Where's the man, right? Because last time I checked, it takes two people to commit adultery. <laughs> Verse 5. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of wish to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. Ooh, Jesus pulled, pulled a fence of ignoring on him. <laughs> so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest. I wonder why. Maybe because they had a bigger list, right? <laughs> Even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised, verse 10. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah. You going to preach with me, buddy? I, would, I love it. It's a good thing. He really loves to be next to his dad. He's ready to preach soon, soon, Ryan. <laughs> Let's go to the next passage, John chapter 1, verse 14. So we gave you a backdrop for the, and that's where we're, where we're going to stay today. We're just going to connect these uh, passages from the scripture. John chapter 1, verse 14. If you're writing it down, it'll also be available on the screen. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Can we say that together? Full of grace and truth. All right, we're going to focus on that today. Jesus is full of grace and truth. So think of all the adjectives, right, What we could apply to Jesus. No, he's our provider. He's our peace. He's our shelter. He's more than enough. He's everything. But John makes it very clear and concise. He just says, hey, when you encounter Jesus, you encounter grace and truth. I had an encounter with Jesus, somebody says, means they probably had an encounter with grace and truth. So there's so much tension between these two words because one is not like the other, you know? Let me talk a little bit about tension. So we're seeing a lot of different tension in the world if you're not already aware of that and economic tension, you know, other types of tension. Uh, I remember when I was in college and we were working out with our soccer team when we had an athletic trainer and I already had weights in my hand, like a um, curl bar. And then he added these um, resistant bands, right? I mean, this thing is from the devil. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm mean, i already feeling the weight, you know, and then he, here he is just adding more bands. I was like, nope, and I'm struggling already, but he adds tension. And so, um, you know, a few weeks, like I said ago, we talked a little bit about fences and how they're inevitable, right? In fact, Jesus even promised us that we will have, you know, offenses, that it's impossible for them not to come, right? So we're seeing a lot of tension in the world today. So these offenses can lead to tensions and things like that. But how many are glad that God sent us his only son, Jesus Christ, right? And that means 
The Word became flesh. So Jesus was sent into this world for us, for all of us. And he's the answer to everything, right? Hallelujah. And says, that's why it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus became us, pretty much, a human being. This is the greatest example to the world, you know, empathy to the world. For God, you know, John 3.16, everybody knows this, but for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have an eternal life. All right? So how many thankful for that? I'm so thankful that I have an eternal life in heaven. Amen. And Jesus knew that he could not redeem us from afar. So that's why he had to come down to this earth and become a human. And that's what it means. Word becomes flesh. So he became human just like us. And Jesus personifies the word of God. All right? He is the word of God. Amen. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. So grace and truth. Here lies the tension, right? I'm going to compare these two words real quick. So how can Jesus be filled with full of grace and truth? Because one word is not like the other, all right? And it's like sort of beauty and the beast, I guess, in other words. On the surface, these things uh, do not go together, all right? So let's talk a little bit about grace of God, right? So consider it just for a moment. No matter where you are, no matter where you come from, and that God's grace can meet you where you at. You know, uh, we were singing, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness. So wherever we're at, God finds us there. And grace of God is just hard to just put it in one word. You just want to start listing off all those things that God was so gracious to you. And he carried you through this moment and that moment. And so Jesus, our God, just lavished us with grace, all right, that we can approach boldly to the throne of God. So a little bit about God's grace. That's what causes or gives us the liberty to come to the throne of God before him. Amen? We sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, right? His grace is powerful, and his grace is limitless. And while you're resting in his grace, you know, here comes the truth, all right, and his standard. Ten um, commandments, right? Those are not ten suggestions. <laughs> Those are ten commandments. And, and John 14 says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. So that truth, he's part of it. And God gives you the truth. When, and oftentimes it's uncomfortable because his holiness is so perfect that even on our best day, our, our holiness or righteousness is like a dirty rag. It's nothing. And, but how do you work with grace and truth at the same time and yes the truth will set you free the scripture tells us right before it sets you free it will probably set you off that's true <laughs> so uh, it will upset you before it can transform you how many believe that right I just uh, earlier in my teen years my brother was like Vic you you snap too easy Vic you just react you, you would keep, keep calling me Victor you, Vic you're a reactor and I'm like you I'm like, I'm not. I don't have a problem with anger. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm not angry. You're angry. What are you, what are you doing? And I just snap. And I just proved myself over and over again, you know. But that truth hurts. You know, it's not comfortable to take it. And so it will, it will, you know, impact you. It will take you off before it will transform you. Um, any of you attempt to tell some truth to your loved one, maybe to your spouse? Yeah? How did it go? Pretty good? It's like, thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> I didn't realize that I should be eating chocolate this late or this amount, you know. It went down really well, right? Or maybe it's just me that 
you know what I mean. <laughs> truth is not comfortable, right? Um, because most of us, as humans, we can't handle the truth. And truth is like this pill that everybody wants to hand out, but nobody wants to swallow, you know. <laughs> so, okay, oh, I can point out, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you need to work on this, you need to work on that, man. You want to talk about your wife? Oh, man, your wife needs to work on this and that. And it's like, oh, let's talk about you. And so that is something very difficult to deal with. So we're encountering grace of God, which is so great, but then there's truth. And let's talk a little bit about, I guess, the people that, you know, that can identify with grace. I mean, I probably want them. If I was to ask you to raise a hand, like, who is more gracious and who's more truthful, we'll probably have almost a 50-50 split. I mean, tendencies are like that. Uh, <laughs> it's just that maybe, hopefully, by the end of the service, you know, we're going to balance it out and find out the beauty of the both, all right? So, grace people, they just can't wait for these restrictions to drop. They just want to hug on everybody, love on everybody. They're just like, grace, grace, all over the place, talking longer than they should. I mean, gracious, you know, people that are full of grace, they're always, like, smiling. They're like, yeah, everything's going to be grace. Don't worry about it. It's all good, all good, you know. But the problem with grace people <laughs> is that sometimes in the effort to show grace, they lowered the standard of truth. It's true, and I've, it really hit me myself because I'm always kind of like gracious, gracious with people. I'm like, yeah, everything's great. Jesus loves you. Um, but what if somebody's at the end of the cliff, right? And, and from the side, you're like, oh, I guess that's, that's a big deal. <laughs> if somebody's about to make a bad mistake, you know, and if the Lord is pulling on your heart, this is when you should react. Uh, but then you got these truth people, right? And they'll give it to you straight. I mean, <laughs> they don't hold back. And uh, they're unafraid of anybody. And, you know, the truth people, the reality is, like, they might not like a single picture on your Instagram or Facebook. But then, <laughs> but then they'll tell you when they want to. All of a sudden, they'll just show up on your, and they'll just start commenting, you know. I'm going to tell you what you th I think about this. And all of a sudden, they're just like, tell you how it is. And, but the problem with truth people, right, is that, one day they will need that grace that they refuse to give. Because sometimes life will hit you on the side out of nowhere, and you're like, oh, my gosh. And it humbles you. So the tension is how do you balance between grace and truth? Grace without truth ceases to be grace. And truth without grace is, ceases to be grace. It's It's tough. And in other words, to say grace without truth is meaningless and truth without grace is mean, <laughs> all right? So, but when you have grace and truth, that's medicine, all right? That's what John was talking about. So Jesus is a total representation of both, all right? It's like, any of you know, maybe men at where out, men, uh, J.B. Weld, you guys seen that? They sell them in two tubes. They're red and blue, okay? And you have to combine them in order for it to have an effect. And then it's so strong, you can drill through it and everything like that. I mean, they call it, in other words, they call it cold weld. And so, but you need both applications, right? They're epoxies. So you need to combine them both in order to create an effect. So think of it this, so grace and truth is like that, all right? Not 50% truth and 50% grace. 100% truth, 100% grace, amen. Uh, so the whole gospel flies on the wings of these uh, grace and truth. 
And God made everything in balance. If you look at it, there's so much balance. And you, just, you can look around you, right? The airplanes have two wings. I mean, you have two hands for balance and two legs, things like that. Most of us do, it, I should say. But um, uh, Pastor Mark pointed out the other day when we were praying together here on Tuesdays. And um, he was like, hey, you know, the farmers, they clip uh, one of the wings of the chicken. So that way they don't fly out of the pen. You only just want because the moment you're off balance, you just, you can't fly. It might be like sideways doing like donuts, you know. And so, and same with airplane. You, you can't fly with one wing. Probably not, right? <laughs> Actually, it will not fly. And so, the tension of grace and truth. I would, I would put it like it's like the strings of the violin, okay? Grace. If it's too loose, like, oh, it's, it's all right. And it's like... Loose string is going to make a very ugly sound, right? It's just the same with a guitar, right? With any of the strings. But if it's too tight, you're going to pop that string, all right? So sometimes when you're just too truthful to people, you can just break a person like that. But if you get that perfect tension, right, in the violin or, or a guitar, you get this beautiful music. So the world right now is listening to us. They're looking to church. And we need to be equipped with full of grace and truth. And Jesus is a total embodiment of both, you know, grace and truth. This is what the teachers of the law could not understand. And so that's why, how is this rabbi all of a sudden, you know, you supposed to uphold the truth. And here he is hanging out with shady, messed up people like, you know, prostitutes, tax collectors. I mean, this is the kind of Jesus we are, we're serving, right? And if you got issues, guess what? You're in a great company to get connected with God. Because Jesus loved these kind of people, and these kind of people loved coming to Jesus. And I think, I was thinking to myself, as a 21st century church, and I'm thinking if we're not attracting such people, you know, are we preaching the same gospel? So I'm going to challenge you a little bit today, and this is a challenge to myself first as well. You know, because sinners, tax collectors, these are the kind of people that were drawn to Jesus, and he loved them. And so we have this scenario here, right? Jesus sitting in the temple teaching, and out of nowhere, uh, you know, the Pharisees, you know, the stuck-up pe people of the law, they really, you know, knew their word. They burst in the middle of the temple with a woman who'd just been caught in adultery, right? And they throw it in the middle of, like, in the middle of the room. Jesus, you know, like, stop the sermon. I, I can imagine that. For some reason, the religious people, they're like... They, they look like they took a bad whiff of bad smell or some kind of air. <laughs> Jesus, stop the sermon, right? I like to jump in the word, so we're going to bring it to life a little bit. But Jesus, stop the woman. Stop the sermon. We just caught this woman in adultery. The law of Moses tells us to stone her, right? And so they bring it out before Jesus. I don't know how you read the Bible, but I like to get it. I like to jump in the pages. So imagine, though, in the middle of my sermon, right through this side door, uh, somebody, you know, the folks just drop in here and just throw a woman right in front of me and be like, Victor, stop the sermon. And probably be caught off guard, right? And so we just caught this woman in adultery. What do you have to say? I'm like, oh, um, no, you, you're looking for Pastor Mark. <laughs> Pastor Mark, that's your boy. <laughs> I'm just here preaching, you know. Pastor Mark can handle it. And so I don't know what kind of, you know, I just 
I can imagine the kind of gasp in the room. So just imagine this scenario, right? This woman is just thrown there in the middle of it, and everybody's like, <gasps> shocked. And gasping for air. There's one person who didn't gasp for air, and that's Jesus, right? Amen. Because he, he's not shocked by anything. He's not shocked by any of your sins or, you know, your shortcomings or anything like that. I guess it's a good place to insert that Jesus is not shocked or surprised by anything that you're facing. And so you might be shocked by what you did. I mean, I have been before. You know, some of us continue to struggle with certain things, and I think God wants to bring you grace and truth and deliver you. So praise God for his word, amen? But he can handle anything. You can bring up anything before the Lord. So here they are, right? They thought they, pulled the, they could pull a TMZ moment on Jesus. Like, oh, what do you think? What do you got to say? Um, but it's easy to look at somebody, right, that is not struggling with the same sin that you're struggling and to judge and be like, I can't believe it. What are they, you know, silly Sally? Like, I can't believe that. They're struggling with that? Really? Because you know, it's not your flavor of sin. <laughs> you know, it's easy to point fingers but be like, yeah, come on, man, get it together. Everybody's diff- facing different storms, right? Different tensions, so... And the great qualifier, I love that, in Romans 3.23, I think I'll have it up there, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us did, right? So let's continue reading. So verse 5, right? Now Moses, they, they said, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you have to say? This they said, testing him, that they may have, have something of which to accuse him. The goal for them was to trap Jesus. They were really after Jesus. I don't know as much as a woman. They really wanted to trap Jesus in this position. And this is a brilliant trap. I got to give it to Pharisees. They really, that's, you know, they were actually right. Because Moses' the law was pretty clear. You know, and I, you read Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and it talks about that. And they knew the word down to the letter. First five books were memorized by these folks. And so they knew they were right. But isn't it crazy how you can be right and wrong at the same time, right? So if Michael opens up to me, right, my friend Michael, I can always pick on him. He's not going to get offended. <laughs> if he opens up to me and tells me something, uh, you know, at the bottom of his heart, and, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then I go and I tell it to somebody else. I'm like, can you believe Michael? Or I tell him, I, that's, that's not fair, you know, because here he is, you know, um, if Jesus said that, it, it's a brilliant trap that, that these Pharisees are trying to do, right? They're trying to uh, throw the law at Jesus and see what, what he, how he's going to react. So you can know the letter of the law, but not know the spirit of the law. So I could be absolutely right that Michael told me it is true. Oh, he did this or that, and he opened up. And I, if I want to tell it, I'm 100% wrong. Do you agree with that? Yeah. So you can know the author, right? But not know uh, you might not, you may know the word, but not know the author. In other words, so it's a perfect trap. And uh, so Jesus, you know, st- you know, imagine though two positions that Jesus can take right now. If Jesus stands up and says, "Hold up, do not stone this woman," all of a sudden he's trampling on the law of Moses. That wouldn't be good, you know, because uh, they earlier already downloaded his podcast where J- Jesus said, "Oh, I came to fulfill the law." Not to break it, right? So, and then, but if Jesus says, you know, you're right, get a big rock, knock her out, then all of a sudden this merciful Savior 
all of a sudden, you know, who's full of grace and compassion says, hey, come to me all who are weary and burdened and get knocked out, right? That, and so Jesus is facing that tension. So they're thinking they're using the word of God, but they're forgetting the fact that the word of God is Jesus. He is the word of God. He's the Alpha and Omega. So uh, Jesus is like, do I uphold the law, trample on this woman, or do I protect the woman and trample on the law? So ever face a situation like that where it's just like you don't know what to do, right? You're like, ah, do I do this or that? If it was me, you know, I would just be nervous and sweating. Speaking of that, i got to take off my sweater. It's getting really warm here. In the passage together. I don't know what I would do, honestly. But Jesus is not an ordinary man. Amen? He did not sweat. He was calm and collected because he's got all power and he's got all wisdom. So why are you stressing? Why are we stressing sometimes about things that Jesus is already handling it? And thank God that all things work together for good. So you probably were not imagining being in this position, whether you've been impacted by this, what's happening around us, the COVID-19, and you've lost a job. But how many believe that God is working it out? We were just hearing that again prophetically and confirming that. In Romans 8.28, I do quote that scripture often, but all things work together for good, those that love Jesus, amen, and are called according to his purpose. So another thought hit me this week. It was just, I was like, I wonder if God has ever thought of something he hasn't thought of, right? Because he's got all power and all wisdom. I just want to talk a little bit about God's wisdom, all right? Stay with me. God has never thought of anything that he hadn't already thought of. In other words, nothing just occurred to God. You know, I don't think God would say, it's like, you know what just occurred to me? (laughs) I don't think God would do that, right? Because he knows everything, amen? How would he believe that? He knows everything. He knows all our struggles. That means we can trust him with absolutely everything. Hallelujah. So they, man, they demanded an answer from Jesus, right? What do you have to say, Jesus? Jesus looking down at this woman. I can imagine her, right, already. She's getting ready to get stoned. I mean, her, head, her hands are on her head. And I'm like, wow. And as I was reading this, really, God put me in that image. I'm like, that's, that's me right there. And his immediate response, what was, what was his immediate response? He just like, whoop, and he just gets down and he starts I can totally hear him humming for some reason. <laughs> like, here they are. Like, they have the rocks. And they're like, Jesus, we're not playing. This is what the law of Moses says. Tells us to stone her. And she's like, oh. And he's like. <laughs> so, and obviously, everybody is just wondering, what is Jesus? And as we're reading, and I don't know, like half a year ago, I think I shared a message about embracing dirt. And then I talked a little bit about this passage, but the big question, the hot topic is, what was Jesus riding on the dirt? And this is, by the way, a nice cue from Jesus. Um, to not be so quick to react to your critics, to somebody that just says, hey, what's going on? Why'd you do this? Or Sometimes the best thing you can do is just turn away from your enemies and get down on your knees and pray. And that is... But the devil, he's covered. He just, he's looking for a reaction, right? He just wants you to react. But Jesus responded. So I want to point that out. So quit being so quick, you know, to give a reaction to the enemy. Very important. Because there's a big difference between these two. A response or a reaction. The enemy wants us to react 
for you to react all that drama, all that chaos that came into your life. That's what really reaction means, right? We are reacting it. And, but be not a reactor, but be a responder. So reaction tends to be like a quick answer, like a knee-jerker, right? And responses usually tends to be slower, a well-thought-out answer, right? So in James 1.19 even talks about it. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Notice how, right, emergency personnel, they're called emergency response team. They're not like emergency reaction team. Like, can you imagine just calling? Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, oh my daughter's just been cut. Oh, help, please, please. And now they're like, oh, my gosh. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Like, imagine them reacting that way, right? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. Your emergency response team, not a reaction team, right? They don't give a reaction. They give a response. An enemy wants us to react. There's anything happens like, oh, oh, yeah, be quick. And somebody did something like, oh. They did that because of their sin, or they did that because they did that to me one day. Ha, take it. This is what the enemy wants to catch us with. He wants us to react. And, but Jesus didn't react. He responded. He went down straight to the ground, right? And hot topic, everybody's like, what was Jesus riding on the ground? And some believe that there's different theories. But I think the Lord purposely did that because until this very day, I believe that God does not want to expose anybody, put somebody to shame. Even those Pharisees, he was giving them a chance until the very end, right? So some believe that, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Maybe that's, some people are predicting that what's, that's what Jesus wrote. Some people say he wrote Ten Commandments. Some believe that he wrote Jeremiah seventeen thirteen, where it says, those forsake you are written in the dust. Many believe that... Um, he wrote the names of people, right? And next to them, he, he started putting their sin. It makes a lot of sense if you actually read that. Because all of a sudden, you know, this fella, you know, Jeremy sees his name and he's like, oh, next to a dash, Inglewood High, Mary Beth or something. He's like, you know, I wasn't even planning to be here. I'm out of here. Like, and these guys started reacting. And Jesus is like, because notice in the scripture says, and Jesus went back to writing again, right? Like, I feel like that wasn't enough, so he's like, oh, well, we're not done. Okay, let's continue. So Jesus is continuing writing. And honestly, for the longest time, I'm like, I don't know. And it's okay sometimes to not know certain things. Amen? I don't know what Jesus wrote. And to be honest, I, I don't care. And this has been, been the latest revelation to me reading this passage. I was focusing on how he was responding because I don't want to be busy trying to figure out, you know, how Jesus was writing and did he write this, did he point somebody out and did they get feel uncomfortable or anything like that? Because, you know, the law wanted to destroy this woman, right? And Jesus' immediate response was to get down on the ground. And there's a lot of symbolism here that really opened up to me. He was the only one who was willing to get down on her level, all right? And, and to meet her where she was, despite of her background or anything. He, Jesus knew it all in advance, but, um, and he meets her where she is. Then he raised himself up and he gave a response to the accusations of the law. So this is, this is the gospel. This is full gospel of Jesus. So this woman represents humanity, us, you and me, with all our shortcomings. And I'm going to land the plane here shortly. So stick around with me for a second. If the law had its way, though, if the law had its way with us, with all the laws that we broke, 
they would, it would have killed us already by now. But Jesus' response was that he came down to earth. That's why when we read that, and the word became flesh. And this is where we're connecting that scripture. And he humbled himself to the human level. He touched the dirt. And that represents right, our humanity. We were made out of that dirt. He can feel our pain. He can feel our humanity. He can feel our struggles and things like that. And then he raised, up, raised himself up on the cross. And that was the response to the accusation of the law. Everything that everything was thrown at Jesus. But he was without a sin. And he was the only one who was able to fulfill the law. But look at this. So here we have the situation, right? Verse 7, again, I want to come back. So when they continued to ask him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw that stone at her first. Jesus says, I know every one of your sins, in other words, right? So he's like, do you want me to continue? So, and that's why I said in verse 8, he continues. He said, and again, he stooped down and wrote it on the ground. Because the law, you know, stated that both needed to be stoned. And this was so interesting to me. I'm thinking, where was, the, where was the guy at, right? Where's the man at? Because the, according to the law, it, it had both of them needed to be brought. And it really opened up to me. And I was like, oh, well, the guy was in on it. They really wanted to trap Jesus. They went at all costs to throw a law to Jesus. Like, ha-ha, we got him. Here we go. But look at, but look at, and all of a sudden, people are facing, they're, they're, they're faced with the most difficult thing is to look at themselves, to look at the truth. And here, all of a sudden, Jesus is writing, verse 9, Then who, those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. The only one who had the right to throw the rock didn't. Jesus, the compassionate. And I love it. This is just so beautiful how Jesus shows her grace and at the same time tells her the truth. Verse 10, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. He shows her grace right there, right? Neither do I condemn you. And then he says, go and sin no more. Notice how it says grace and truth. So covers comes first with grace and then gives her the truth. Sin no more. She knew all her shortcomings, trust me. She knew Jesus because she saw, I wonder, like as Jesus is writing and she's out there blown away, like Jesus knows everything. He knows me. And here we are. We're this woman. All of our shortcomings and everything like that. And I believe this word really speaks to us today. As we move our family forward in the future, we have to be full of grace and truth. Maybe you're a little bit too much grace. You know, you're always like, oh, everything's going to be okay. But you, you devalue the standard of truth, and you don't tell people the truth sometimes. Maybe you're on the other extreme of things where you're too much, too much truth, and you're, you don't show enough grace. Whatever it is, God can meet you where you're at right now. And I think it's so important for us in the future moving forward, because as we're growing as a church, as we're expanding, you know, as we're talking to our neighbors, our friends, or anybody that we want to reach out to, it's very important that we have both, grace and truth. And that's what the world needs today. 
a church for, to be filled with grace and truth. Because if you're just telling people, like, oh, everything is going to be great, Jesus loves you, good, but you continue to struggle with your sin, I truly believe God wants to deliver anything you're struggling with in your life, whatever it is. I mean, it's a burden. And it's like, maybe it's been five years, maybe it's been ten years, maybe something carried over from your teen years. And it's time to eradicate it, because Jesus came to set us free, amen? Amen. I really felt led to also have you think about it because I know we have some new families and perhaps some of you have never been water baptized and things like that. It's very important that we do that. We take that next step and we'll be happy to talk with you about it and, you know, bring our children with their full understanding to know like, hey, we're now under the covenant of Jesus. We are protected by God. And so I want you to leave that with you in the back, okay, that God wants you to make a full commitment to him. And he's there. He's full of grace and truth. He will handle anything. And it's very important to bring that up before God. He will deliver you. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise God for his word. Let's uh, have a worship team come up and just, let's have a moment of prayer real quick. If we can just stand on our feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You meet us where we are at, Lord. We thank you that despite everything that is around us, any tension that there is in this world, Lord, you're always there, ready to meet us, full of grace and truth. And, Lord, if we just ask that as a church, Lord, we would walk in that balance, Lord. And anywhere we go, Lord, we'd be full of grace and truth, showing love when we need to, Lord. Telling truth when we have to, Lord. But we do not want to be silent, Lord, as we see any of our friends lose their lives, living in sin, struggling, whatever it is, Lord. You, you are here to deliver Lord, and we are just so thankful that your presence is in this place, Father. Every time, Lord, you just meet us here. And wherever we go, you are with us, Father. You are always faithful and true. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. You turn graves into gardens. And just right now, take a moment right now, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is really speaking to your heart. Hallelujah. Just as a, just a sign of just surrender. You can just open our palms towards heaven and just say, Lord, speak to me right now. I just love that. Until this very end, right? As everybody's surrounded, this woman, and, and I'm thinking like, I'm amazed that I just wish this, those Pharisees stuck around. I really do. Jesus could have st stood up and started speaking out loud of all their shortcomings and all their sins. It's like, hey, you did this last night. You did this like that. Jesus wasn't doing that, right? <laughs> he still was humble enough, and he's given a chance to absolutely everybody to the very last second. It's incredible, and it's so important that early on right now, we're equipped with grace and truth, and we show that to our children and their children, and that blessing continues. God is here to deliver you, and if, if the Holy Spirit, and that's Holy Spirit, that's reminding you right now, hey, you need to address this issue. I don't want to be living in this bondage, and this addiction that, that I just keep stumbling upon. God wants you to conquer that. God wants you to be, not keep step, uh, tripping over it, but he wants you to step on it and be on top of it. You'll be able to overcome anything because Jesus is almighty. He's powerful. He knows it. Hallelujah. He just wants free, free will. He's not going to force you to do anything. You can live with it all your life if you want to, 
but you're not going to live a full life. And I just, I just really felt strongly that the Holy Spirit really wanted us to know that today. So be blessed as we worship. And if you need prayer right now, let's just let's continue worshiping and then just take our moment, like 10 minutes. I understand we can just maybe wait for lunch or anything like that. But if you just take a few moments and just come up and get prayer. And if you're, if you're timid, that's right. Just say, hey, I, I need you to pray for me. The Holy Spirit will do the rest. The, mo- the first most important thing is to do that first step forward. So do not be afraid. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.